0: If you would, at this time, please turn in your Bibles to Mark, chapter 5. The sermon text this morning will begin in verse 21. And as we read this uh, this morning, I just would ask, would you put yourself uh, in the shoes of uh, this man who's facing uh, the death of a a close family member, his dear little girl? And put yourself in the shoes of this woman who has been suffering with an ailment for 12 years. Um, because as, as you put yourself in their shoes and you hear the words of Jesus, which are, in the face of these realities, keep trusting in me, keep believing in me, only believe. Uh, there is a human, there's a human element of that that does sound absurd to us in the face of such realities, because we know those. We all have faced those realities. And so there's a human uh, part of us that bristles at those words because they are difficult. They're terrible. Um, Death is our enemy. And yet Christ offers hope, a hope grounded in his own power. So let's uh, keep that in mind as we read. Put yourself in their shoes and let's think about that. Is the the pain and, and the reality of death that we all face Um, Are these actually words of hope? Do we truly believe that this morning, these words of Christ? So Mark 5, we'll read 21 through 43. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, a Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. This is God's word He gives it to us because he loves us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, we ask that you would indeed open our eyes in a supernatural way, that you would give us your Holy Spirit that we might understand what you're saying to us, that we might be comforted, that we might be encouraged. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I know a family, not very well, but I know a family who has lived uh, this sort of reality, of hearing those words. Uh, they had a, a small child who was killed tragically in their own driveway, was actually uh, backed over by the child's grandparent, and the child did not survive. So they live this reality. That one day, their their life turned into a nightmare. And I actually know a pastor who lived in that same town, who heard about the incident in the paper, on the news, and went to their door. He didn't know them. And he knocked on their door. What, what would you say to those people, to those parents? What could you say? As a Christian, do we have something to say in those situations? And what about in our own lives? What do we say to one another? Because as I said, we've all faced this terrible reality of death. And certainly, if not death, uh, the reality of pain, the reality of suffering in this world is it simply religious talk at these moments to say, believe in Jesus, or is that something uh, real? Is that a real hope? Is it simply a human attempt to make ourselves feel better, or can we say this with confidence? Well, two people in our account that we just read, two real people in a real place at a real time, came face to face with this reality and this tension between fear and faith. And what are we going to give into in the face of life's reality? And we face that same reality today. I mean, you can go. This is probably the little town of Capernaum. Uh, you can go to Capernaum today and see the ruins of this little fishing town. You can go see the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee, where it was next to You can actually go today and see the ruins of that little village. You can see the ruins of the synagogue. You can see the basalt foundation of this first century synagogue where probably this man Jairus was the leader of the synagogue. You can go to this real place and see where this happened and where this drama unfolded. And I think that's a hopeful thing because when we realize this is an actual story about real people, the reality that we face in our own lives The things that we face in this arena, we need this word from Jesus that I can be trusted when you face this reality. Do not fear. Only believe. Only believe, meaning keep believing, even at the times when uh, fear threatens to overwhelm us and drown us. Even then, keep believing. Uh, Look at verse 36. That's that's the theme. That's the main point Jesus is making. Those words, do not fear, only believe. We're going to see three areas, especially where Jesus wants us to believe these words and hold on to these words. Uh, The first, we're called to only believe when things are desperate. So only believe when things are desperate. Uh, Jairus comes to Jesus and his desperation is clearly seen in many ways. He, uh, It's pointed out in the text, obviously, that his daughter is on her deathbed. She is literally about to die. And you can see the desperation in his voice. He falls down at Jesus' feet. He's begging. He's urging. Jesus, please come and heal my daughter. Luke tells us that in his account that this was his only daughter. Um, And so he gives up his dignity, falls at his feet. This was a well-respected man, a pillar of the community. And here he is uh, on the ground before Jesus because he's so desperate. Uh, Jesus agrees to go. And so off they go. This gets the attention of the crowd. A crowd had already gathered to hear Jesus. And here they go on the way. Jesus is being uh, mobbed and he's being touched, you know, by all the people in the crowd. But he stops because there is one touch that is different from all the others. One gets his attention and there's that odd question. Who touched me? And the disciples give. and, And, you know, it's actually Peter. If you Uh, read Matthew's account and Luke's account. Peter, of course, says, Lord, what what kind of silly question is that? Everyone's touching you. But Jesus says, no, there's there was someone who touched me and it was different. So this woman comes and falls before him and she's afraid, but he gets her to tell her whole story. She's also seeking Jesus out of desperation. And when you hear her story, uh, it becomes amazing because Jesus has healed her. Uh, she's been suffering for 12 years. She's desperate. She's gone through doctor after doctor after doctor. Some of you, some of you know what that's like. No one has an answer. And she's gone through all of her money and it's gone. Some of you know what that's like. She turns to Jesus because she has nowhere else to turn. just wanted to pause for a second and ask you, Are you seeking Jesus in the area of your life where you feel the most desperate? Do you have a situation in your life where you feel as if all human resources have been exhausted? And are you seeking Jesus in that area? Is it a physical illness? Is it a is it a loss? Is it a death in a family, a close friend? Or is it just any other situation in your life where you simply do not know what to do next? You do not know where to turn or who can help you. Well, this passage would encourage you. Seek Jesus. Turn to him in these situations. Say, Jesus, I don't know where to turn, but I'm coming to you. I need your help. I need you, Jesus, to show up at my house right now in this situation. Remember, Faith is not an aura that we kind of carry with us. It's not just this mysterious thing. Faith is a very tangible thing. It's expressed very tangibly. Everyone was around Jesus, but it was faith that reached out and touched him. It was faith that snuck up behind him and got closer and sought after him. It was faith that came and and fell down at his feet and said, Jesus, please help me. And that's the faith we're called uh, to demonstrate. Maybe maybe you've been dealing with this situation for so long, you can honestly say, you know, I, I have to admit, when I think about it, I'm just in this crowd of people near Jesus, but I've actually stopped seeking for him. I've actually stopped reaching out and asking him for help. If that's your situation, go back to Jesus and seek him out. And let me encourage you with this. Look at verse 29. Your seeking is rewarded. It will be rewarded. Verse 29, immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Jesus' power is that potent. Um, in contrast to all human wisdom and all human resources that were completely exhausted, one touch from Jesus', uh, one touch from Jesus, and she's healed. And look at verse 34. Jesus stops and when she tells her story, he responds to her daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus gives her peace, perfect wholeness, perfect completeness. He heals not only her body, but her soul. There's one aspect of her desperation that I haven't mentioned, but it's very important. It's critical to understanding what's going on here. Because she was had this flow of blood, according to Leviticus, the Levitical law, she would have been ritually unclean. Uh, What that would have meant is that she would not have been allowed to come to worship with God's people because of this. And it was a ritual state. It had nothing to do with her her morals or character. It was a ritual state which would have forbidden her from being able to worship with God's people. Bring us bring a sacrifice with her family. She would have been uh, unable to have normal social interaction with people. She would have had to let them know to stay away that she was unclean ritually. And so this woman was ostracized to some extent and I'm sure felt extremely alone in her desperation. And Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, daughter. You belong. You're not alone. You belong in my family. You are accepted. You have a true family, the family of God. You are a true member of my family. And Jesus commends her faith. Your faith has saved you. Uh, You can get a sense of the beliefs of the day. You know, if I can touch the hem of his garment. A lot of times power and healing was associated in that culture with holy people and holy places and holy things. And if you just got near enough, you could have healing, perhaps. Jesus is saying, no, it it was your faith in me. Faith has an object. It was your faith in me. I was the one who healed you. I chose to heal you. You are my daughter. Jesus brings her faith out into the open to build it up. And if our faith is private, this shows us it won't stay private for long. Uh, we, the Christian faith is a confessing faith. We will confess Christ. She was trembling, but she told the truth. And she said, you know, I came to you. I thought you could heal me, Jesus. And Jesus commends that faith and brings it out in the open and he builds it up. Now, this woman and Jairus, we can see they weren't clearly were not giants of the faith. They had simply run out of options And yet, they took small, real steps of faith toward Jesus. Because it really doesn't matter so much the perfection or the greatness of our own faith. What matters is the greatness of the God where we place our faith. And that's what matters the most. So only believe when things are desperate. Number two... Only believe when faith is tested even further. Now, when Jesus stopped and talked to this woman, imagine what Jairus must have been thinking at this moment. I'm sure he was thinking, Jesus, what are you doing? I just told you my daughter is about to die. She's on her deathbed, and here you are stopping and talking to this woman. I don't mean to be rude or insensitive, but I need your help, Jesus. I need you to come now. She's about to die. Well, Jesus knew the situation. Jesus was very aware of the time, and yet he did stop to talk to this woman because he knew that what Jairus needed right now was to have his faith built up. Because as he brings the story out into the open of this woman, he's showing Jairus that indeed you have come to the right person. I am one who can help you. I have great power. Keep believing in me. But then comes the words, the words that Jairus was dreading in verse thirty five. Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble this teacher anymore. And his desperation is being threatened to turn into despair. And this what little faith there is is suddenly in danger of being overwhelmed by fear So what about now? Now that the bomb has gone off, so to speak, what about now? Is it over? Now, the the messenger, the the friends and family who come to give him the news, give the obvious answer. There's no reason to trouble this teacher anymore. There's no reason to bother Jesus. He's a holy man, certainly, some type of prophet. But that's got to be the limit of it. Everyone has limits, right? Well, Jesus interrupts the the thinking here and says in a direct challenge, basically, don't look at them. Look at me. Do not fear. Only believe. Even now, when things appear to be beyond hope, even now, look at me and believe. And it's exactly at those times in our lives when we feel there is no hope when we don't know what to do. And our fear... uh, is threatening to drown us and overwhelm our faith, that Jesus says, do not look at them, do not listen to anyone else, look at me, only believe. Often this is when we face that, maybe it's a chronic illness or a death or a loss in the family, anything like that. And I wonder, is there anyone in your life now telling you, don't bother Jesus anymore, so to speak? Is it a family member or a friend Who are saying to you, what good has your faith done you? Why why bother? It hasn't stopped some of these things from happening to you. What good is this Christian faith? Maybe that's coming from within yourself. Why am I bothering to do this? Why am I continuing to walk with Jesus? What good has it done for me? Jesus challenges that notion and says, look, when all you have left is me, you still have me. And that's enough. Even when your faith is tested further, when there seems to be no hope, only believe. Continue to believe in me. Cling to me. Trust me. Obey me. Do whatever I tell you to do. Keep believing. The third third place where we're called to believe in Jesus, to only believe, we're called to only believe in Jesus' coming kingdom when death is reversed. We're called to only believe in Jesus's coming kingdom when death is reversed. Notice Jairus' faith passes the test for the moment because he takes that next step toward his house with Jesus. And then he takes another and another, even though he's in great grief at this point. And the scene at the house is very dramatic. Uh, there's a great commotion. Great grief and wailing over this loss. Uh, is there any doubt in any of your minds that death is our enemy? It's a great enemy. Now, when Jesus comes in and he says, she's asleep. Well, what, is, what does he mean by that? That's, that's an odd thing. What does Jesus mean? She's asleep. Well, certainly Jesus is not, it's not just. We know that that will be cruel. He's not toying with them. And Jesus certainly is not disputing the medical diagnosis that she's passed away. Um, Jesus hadn't even seen her yet. That's not what he's doing either. Think about this. They know why Jairus went to get Jesus, didn't they? They knew why he went to get Jesus to heal her. And Jesus shows up and he's in effect asking them, Do you think that it still matters that I'm here, even though she's already died? Do you think it still matters that I'm here, even though you think there is no hope? Do you think I have the power to wake her, to bring her back? It's a statement of his power over death. And they bristle at it. They laugh. They reject it because they do not have any faith in Jesus. They laugh at him, and as a general rule, that's not good advice to laugh at Jesus or his power. Jesus himself taught, even a few verses earlier in Mark, look, the power, I mean the time to respond to me is limited. Uh, If you have a little faith, that is enough. I will accept it. I gladly welcome your small faith, and I will increase it, and it will grow. But if you reject me, if you have no faith... Even this opportunity will soon pass away and it will be gone. Jesus said this, for to to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So he puts them out because they have no faith in his power. So it's only the parents and the three disciples Jesus brought with him, Peter and John and James. And they go into this little room. Uh, what is probably a very small room, very still. And Jesus simply takes her hand and says, little girl, get up. And the Aramaic, the original Aramaic that Jesus spoke is recorded for us here. I'm sure Peter could not get those words out of his mind, even if he had wanted to. Uh, We know that Mark based his gospel on Peter's preaching and recollections of Jesus and what he did and so this is, these are the actual words that Jesus said. These are not magic words. It's not like he's saying abracadabra. These are Aramaic words, normal words. that just mean, little girl, arise, get up. They were spoken by the powerful voice of the creator God. And that's where the power came from. Jesus was recreating new life out of death. As the, as the powerful creator, he has... The ability to do that. And immediately she's walking around and she's whole again. And there is hope where there appeared to be none. Jesus raises the dead. Look at verse 42. The the second part of the verse there. They were immediately overcome with amazement. When was the last time you were overcome with amazement by Jesus's power? Uh, so many of us have heard this story. And we've heard stories like these throughout the Gospels many, many times. And unfortunately, what tends to happen is the more we hear it, the more we become familiar with it. Right? The more we become uh, just this is this is not that amazing. We're we're comfortable with it. We should stand in amazement because this is an actual story of what Jesus actually did. This is incredible. This should be the opposite. We should be amazed, even though we've heard it many, many times. Now, this miracle is a sign that should point us to what Jesus has been teaching in all of his preaching about the coming kingdom and what he came to do as the king of that kingdom, where he's going to renew all things. Jesus said, look, I'm going to reverse death someday forever All of the bodies that are in the ground who are that are decaying, someday they will be raised. And those who have trusted in me will walk in wholeness in peace with me forever in the new kingdom in the new heavens and the new earth. So this is only a sign, this miracle that Jesus did. It pointed to something greater, to the fullness of Jesus's kingdom, where death would be reversed forever. We have a storybook we read in our house uh, that, of course, this story makes the cut into the story Bible. Let me just read you a line from that storybook Bible that we, we love. It concludes this story by saying, Jesus was making the sad things come untrue. He was mending God's broken world. Is that our childlike faith? That's exactly the faith we're called to have. A faith that marvels at Jesus. A faith that that marvels that Jesus is going to undo every broken thing, every sad thing in this world. Is that our childlike faith? Or have we joined that crowd that laughs at Jesus? There's a strange ending in verse 43. He strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, Why does Jesus not want them to know? Well, clearly Jesus traveled around and he preached and he wanted people to know about his kingdom and who he was. But this is a common phenomenon if you read the Gospels. Uh, You read these statements like these all the time, especially after dramatic miracles. Um, And the best explanation, I think, is this. We know from the Gospels themselves, but also historical documents outside of the Bible, that there was a very, at the time, a very volatile political situation in that region. And there were many Jewish groups preaching rebellion and insurrection against Rome and the Roman Empire. And the concept of the king, the Messiah, who was to come, had become very politicized and very much turned into something, uh, a ruler who was going to, on a very human level, uh, kick out Rome and gain Israel's independence for them. And Jesus wanted to avoid that. He wanted to avoid that concept and understanding of what he had come to do. He did not come to overturn human governments. He came to give his life away. It's soon after this that Jesus begins to speak many times to his disciples about why he came. He came to give his own life and take it up again so he could renew all things. And he did something. In this, in this very account that pointed to that, it's easy to miss. But when Jesus came into that room with a little girl on the bed, he touched her hand. Now, that was a no-no, because again, to touch a dead body rendered you ritually unclean. Uh, but Jesus touched her and in effect shared in that death. He shared in that death so he could then bring her life by his touch. Because Jesus' power is so great, when he is touched by the woman, he does not become unclean. Rather, his power goes to her and cleanses her and heals her and makes her whole. And when he touches the little girl, though he shares in her death symbolically, what actually happens is he brings her life because his power is that great and that potent. By his touch, his power spreads and brings life. But will our faith in Jesus win out over our fear? And that's really the question before us. Do we truly believe through Jesus' death and through his resurrection, someday all things, all death, all suffering will be overturned for us? And really, that's how the gospel ends. That's how Mark ends his gospel. Just listen to it. Don't turn there. But the last few verses... And think about what is being said here about fear and about faith. And it's, it's a direct challenge. As much as Jesus' words were a direct challenge, do not fear, only believe, this is the same challenge. Because it ends abruptly, as if to say, what will you do? So just listen to these verses. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, Is Jesus that powerful? Is Jesus that good? Where is your faith? Now, what about this family that I told you about earlier? The family who tragically lost their child. I told you the pastor I know uh, knocked on their door. It wasn't the first thing he said, but what did he say? Eventually, he got around to talking to them about Jesus. And he said to them, I know you must feel like you have no, uh, no one else to turn to. Maybe you feel there's no hope even in this situation. But do not give in to your fear. Seek Jesus. Turn to Jesus. And I promise he will help you even now, especially now when your faith is tested even further than you can imagine. Only believe. And that family started coming back to to church, started seeking Jesus, and they are hanging on to Jesus today. How can they take one more step? How can we take one more step? It's only by faith in Jesus that his coming kingdom is a reality, that he will make all things new. Two real people in this account, and that's hopeful for us. I mean, there's so many things in this account that's that speak of reality. I mean, Jesus said, give her something to eat once she got up. uh, It's recorded she was 12 years old. I mean, there's so many details that are authentic. This is eyewitness testimony that's given to us. But eventually this girl died. Eventually the woman who was healed, she died. And that's the reality we face because these Miracles point to something greater that we're called to place our hope in, the reality of Jesus' coming kingdom. And this is what faith clings to. It is the voice of the risen Savior who entered death for us and came out again. It is his voice that says to us this morning, do not fear, only believe. Let's pray. Jesus, please forgive us. When we are overwhelmed by our fear and we do not turn to you, Lord Jesus, help us to seek you. Help us to come to you and lay all of our desperation and all of our hopelessness at your feet. and Say, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Have mercy on us, Jesus, and come quickly. Amen.